Welcome to the Shari Tzedek Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Here you'll find a live recording of just about every sermon, Devar Torah, teaching, or story from our Arab Shabbat and High Holy Day services. We know that you wish you could be with us more often, and we understand life getting in the way is not a bad thing. To live Jewishly is to understand that just as important as it is that Judaism happens in the synagogue, it's even more important to live Jewishly in your home and on your way. So here we are, in your home, on your way, maybe even on your morning run. If you ever have any questions or want to continue the discussion, let one of us know, and make sure you check out our live stream and YouTube channel for more ways that Shari Tzedek is available to you on demand. Keep an eye on your shofar and email so that when you're able, you can be with us as well. Looking forward to seeing you soon. Back in June, I took my first trip over to Ybor City. Now, it wasn't really my first trip because Rabbi Simon drove me past there um, when I visited here for my interview at Shari Tzedek. But that was back in February 2020, when the world was a very different place. So it feels like ages ago. Um, But let's call it my first trip. I was driving slowly, trying to navigate the brick streets, when I saw something that made me stop my car. On the side of the road, there was a large black rooster. Watching another chicken, crossing the road. Now, I took a picture. I took multiple pictures with my phone, as anyone would, and I'm going to show you now. The visual is very important. There it is. And to prove that it's crossing the road, look, it's further along. And there's the the chicken that was watching it. I mean, just waiting to see if it was safe. It was safe because I had stopped my car, obviously. First thing I did was I called my brother, to tell him that I was now living inside a joke. (laughs) Now, I am certain that many of you have seen the wild chickens that live around Ybor City. I called Rabbi Simon to tell him, and he said, oh, that's just something that happens. (laughs) I didn't know it was that common. But even knowing that now doesn't spoil the joke. That, for me, remains a moment of unbridled joy. How glorious it is when we see something unexpected, something out of context, something so random that it feels like it must have a meaning. I was in my car at precisely that moment in order to witness that particular chicken crossing that particular road. It really made my day. I had a similar experience last month when Rabbi Simon sent me a message that a reporter from the Jewish Daily Forward was looking for a rabbi who knew about anime, the term used for Japanese cartoons. And I think we're all witnessing history. That might be the first time that word has ever been said at a Yom Kippur service. So put this down in the books. So if it isn't already clear, or you haven't spent enough time with me, or any rabbi, most rabbis are really big nerds in one way or another. You don't get into this job without being really passionate about a subject. So I, 
In addition to being very enthusiastic about Jewish learning, watch my fair share of anime, play my fair share of video games, both of which I think of as art, which is for next year's sermon. I got in touch with this reporter, and it turned out he wanted to talk about a show called Neon Genesis Evangelion. Okay, so someone gets it. <laughs> So for those of, this is the poster, for those of you who don't already know, of course, Neon Genesis Evangelion is about teenagers piloting giant robots to fight monsters. And just to be clear, whatever it looks like, it is not a kid's show. It is also about isolation and depression, the struggle for human connection, and our fear of our own mortality. Back to the reporter, why would this reporter want to talk to a rabbi? This show was made in Japan, a culture that has almost no recognition of Judaism outside of the most basic stories in Genesis. I visited Japan a few years ago, wore my kippot the entire time, and had only one person even seem to know what it meant. So it turns out that this reporter had seen the show as a teenager and was intrigued to see Jewish imagery. I remembered feeling similarly when I saw it in college. The monsters were called angels. There were powerful beings named Adam, Eve, and Lilith, Adam's first wife from the Midrash. And even more puzzling, he saw something more obscure. And I'm going to show it to you now, and I think some of you might recognize it. It's the Svirot, the tree of life and God's attributes as depicted in Kabbalah, the Jewish mystical tradition. How strange that the reporter connected with me, a fellow anime fan who happened to be one of the few rabbis who knew enough about Kabbalah and Neon Genesis Evangelion to help him. He was the road and I was the chicken. Even stranger are the circumstances that brought Jewish mystical imagery into a giant robot anime directed by a man who had probably never even heard of Kabbalah. What a joy it was to find something Jewish, not just in an unexpected place, but in something that I already loved. This made me think about how Judaism manages to infuse almost every aspect of my life, no matter what I read, watch, or engage in, I find some element of Judaism there. Ted Lasso, for example, the show on Apple Plus about an American coaching a soccer team in England, is not about Jews, but it is a show about being a mensch, a good and kind person. When I watch an award show on TV, my eyes get drawn right to the Jewish names, and there are a lot of them. When I read a Spider-Man comic, I can't help but see Spider-Man as Jewish, fighting to protect the city, even though everyone hates him for it. There is something powerful not just seeing myself represented in art, but also in the way the world around me continually brings my Judaism to the surface. 
And it reminds me that the only reason I can find Judaism in anything at all is because I carry Judaism inside me. The section of Torah that we in the Reform Movement read on Yom Kippur morning is from Parshat Nitzavim in the book of Deuteronomy. And it says exactly that. Surely this teaching which I enjoin upon you this day is not too baffling for you, nor is it beyond reach. It is not in the heavens that you should say, who among us can go up to the heavens and get it for us and impart it to us that we may live it? Neither is it beyond the sea that we should say, who among us can cross to the other side of the sea and get it for us and impart it to us that we may live it? No, the thing is very close to you in your mouth and in your heart to practice it. Not only do these verses assure us that living a Jewish life is within our grasp, they tell us that the Torah that we need, Jewish wisdom, stories, and values are already in us, waiting for us to recognize them. This is the secret superpower of the Jewish people. The things that are most important to us, they aren't in this synagogue building. They aren't locked in the ark. They live in each of us. And even if you're not sure that Judaism dwells within you, know that the words spoken by Moses are imagined by our ancestors to have been spoken to all of us. Those who stand here with us this day before Adonai our God and those who are not here with us this day. Whether you realize it or not, the wisdom of our tradition has been passed down to you, lives in you, and it's just waiting for something to bring it out. Here's the thing, though. Why should we care? Why does it matter that Judaism and Jewish values exist within us, whether we realize it or not? Well, I'll tell you. Bringing the Judaism that lives in us to the surface helps us see moments in our lives as opportunities to make Jewish choices and to live out our values, rather than just as a series of things that happen to us. When we find ourselves in a frustrating situation, like waiting in line at the supermarket or on a customer service call, our tradition makes us aware that there is another human being on the other end of that interaction. Another thing, our Judaism connects us to our history and our community, helping us remember that no matter what we're going through, someone else has been there before. We are not alone, even if it feels like we are. If we experience anxiety or depression or more stress than we can handle, and I think we've all been there at least a little bit in this past while, our tradition has something to offer us. Maimonides, one of the greatest minds in Jewish history, wrote this in a letter to a friend after the death of his brother at sea. 
For almost a year after receiving the sad news, I lay on my couch stricken with fever, despair, and on the brink of destruction. What can possibly comfort me? Now every joy has been dimmed. This is a powerful expression of a feeling that many of us know all too well, written almost a thousand years ago. We know we have a tradition of wisdom that can speak to us in any situation. And back to the chicken. It always comes back to the chicken. We get to experience the joy of finding something meaningful to us in an unexpected place. Think about how many times you bumped into someone you would never expect in a place you would never expect to find them. There's a kind of magic to that encounter. It feels like you're in the right place at the right time. Mathematician Joseph Mazur, in his book, Fluke, the Math and Myth of, Con of Coincidences, says that some of the magic comes from the fact that we grossly underestimate how many people we know. The address book on our phones contains about 1% of everyone we know in one way or another. So it's actually fairly likely to run into someone we know. And yet, it's delightful. Let's not let math ruin our good time. <laughs> Finding Judaism out in the wild is fairly likely as well, if we're on the lookout. But it can still affect us deeply. It can be a thread that runs through our lives, giving a series of disconnected events a sense of coherence that is comforting, reassuring, satisfying, and beautiful. Just like those chickens I saw in Ybor City. Only because I know the joke about the chicken crossing the road does the moment feel meaningful. And meaning is something we are always searching for, especially when the world around us seems intent on elevating and commodifying meaningless things. The Judaism that lives in us can bring meaning to our lives when we nurture it and let it come to the surface. Here's a story. Rabbi Isaac of Krakow after many years of great poverty, dreamed that someone told him to look for a treasure in Prague under the bridge that leads to the king's palace. When the dream came to him again, and then a third time, the rabbi prepared for the journey and set out for Prague. But the bridge was guarded day and night, and he did not dare to start digging. Nevertheless, he went to that bridge every morning and kept walking around it until evening. Finally, the captain of the guard, who had been watching him for some time, asked him whether he was looking for something or waiting for someone. The rabbi told him of the dream which had brought him there from a faraway land. The captain laughed. You came here because of a dream? 
I had a dream once that told me to go to Krakow and dig for treasure under the stove of some schmuck named Isaac there. Half the Jews there are named Isaac. I'd never find it, even if it were real. And he laughed again. Rabbi Isaac bowed, set out for the long journey home, and when he arrived, dug under his own stove. To his amazement and delight, he found a pile of gold and gems, which he then used to build a synagogue. It's a Jewish story. There is a treasure that each of us have, and we don't need to travel very far to find it. It is very close to us. It is in our mouths and in our hearts, and we can find it in everything we do. When we treasure the Judaism in us, it can guide us to places that will change us. It will show us things that will move us. It can bring more meaning and coherence to our lives, if only we would hold it close. Kenya Hiratzon, may this be God's will.